ready? Mm-hmm. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Wish Chinese Characteristics Podcast. I'm Natalie. I'm Cherry. And together we talk about topics with Chinese characteristics. Uh, and today we have another movie discussion. Uh, last week we talked about peasant rebellions, and one of the rebellions we talked about is the Boxer Uprising, the Boxer Rebellion. And there is a famous movie or infamous, <laughs> <laughs> infamous maybe movie about that event. And Cherry, what is that? It's called Fifty Days of Peking. It's fifty-five days. So you've oh, already sorry, f- you've already screwed. Or it's gonna roll. Let's start over. No, 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 no. We're keeping it. Fifty-five days of Peking. In Peking. So Peking. In pe- no, of Peking. No, in Peking. Oh my god. They're in Peking. I can do this. <laughs> I can do this simple task. No, sorry. Of announcing the we name to, of the movie. We have to move on now. 50 day, 55 <laughs> days in Peking. Yeah. Inserting our first correction here. We're both huge idiots because the movie is actually called 55 Days at Peking, not on Peking or in Peking. Thank you. Peking is the... Is it just the old pronounced romanization? It's the imperial spelling. It's imperial no. spelling, <laughs> yeah. So nowadays we call it Beijing, the capital of China. But it has been called different names in Chinese as well, yeah. It wasn't was, it like Beiping at one point? It was Beiping at one point, and so Peking is closer to that pronunciation. Okay. This is a movie made in 1963, or that's when it came out. Um, it was shot in Spain. It was a huge historical epic, similar to movies you've probably heard of about like, like Zulu or Ben-Hur or Cleopatra. Um, there was a period in Hollywood where you know you would have these big movies with these big constructed sets and you know thousands of extras to do historical events the problem though with 55 days in peking is that the event only happened 60 years before the movie was made so people are still going to be alive and also you know the it's it's rather recent uh so i'm going to give a quick timeline Uh, after the end of the second opium war one of the things that was signed was that foreign missionaries were allowed into china the qing dynasty was basically completely shattered and sort of didn't really hold real concrete power over most of the country anymore. anymore. Yeah. I mean, it still had armies and things, but it just, you know, kept withering. Uh, so you have missionaries in China. Uh, you have disruption of the economy through mechanization and factories and railroads. So you have unrest and you also have a giant drought. Uh, the boxers are in northern Beijing or in northern China, and they're sort of stem from martial arts groups. They start killing and beating up Christian missionaries and foreigners that are out in the countryside. And Chinese Christians. And Chinese Christians. So here's the timeline of events. This is in 1900. So this is about 18 months after it started. But it's all been kind of in the countryside. So I want to just read the timeline so when we talk about the movie, you'll understand what happens. So May 30th, 1900, foreign troops arrive in Beijing after all the foreign legations, who are all the diplomatic you know, buildings, uh, requests to be allowed to station guards at their embassies, essentially. The Qing court allows, I believe, 30 troops per legation, which they'll immediately break, and roughly 400-ish troops arrive. So they don't break it by a huge amount, but they do break it, and this annoys the Qing court. And they also only agreed to the guards sort of under duress. June 5th, the railway is cut, so five days later. So no more reinforcements can come in on rail to the city. June 10th, a relief force arrives with 2,000 troops to reinforce the foreign legations. Uh, There's like 1,000 people in the foreign legations, so the 
Western powers are concerned about it. They get about halfway there. They realize the railway is cut and they begin being attacked by boxers. The Qing military, because they see this as an invasion, so the Imperial Army gets involved, and essentially this original relief force of mostly British troops gets pushed back with heavy casualties. June 11th, the Japanese secretary goes to the rail station to figure out where the reinforcements are. He gets killed by um, Imperial troops, masquerading as boxers, more or less. <laughs> the German minister executes a boxer he sees in the street outside the foreign legations. This starts rioting within the city, and basically Christian missionary, Christian Chinese and uh, all foreigners who aren't in the foreign legation start streaming into the foreign legation. This is also when they kind of start barricading the foreign legation. June 16th, the imperial court decides, what do we do? Do we throw in with these boxers? Do we fight? Do we use them, essentially? Do we suppress them? Uh, you know, what do we do? June 17th, the foreign navies seize forts on the way into Beijing, on the waterway. This prompts the imperial court to think they're getting invaded either way, essentially. <laughs> yeah. So we might as well roll in with the boxers. Mm. June 19th, Empress Dowager Sushi, um, Sushi. Sushi. <laughs> orders the foreign legations to leave. They essentially refuse because... They don't really have any way of safely getting out because the railroad's been cut. They don't trust the Chinese military and the countryside swarming with boxers. Von Kettler, the guy, the German minister who executed a boxer in the street earlier. Got it. Uh, wanders, goes to go complain to Sushi personally. Yeah. Gets murdered. Yeah. <laughs> June 21st, uh, the legations are fortified in the siege formally begins most of the a lot of the movie is the lead up to this i wanted to kind of talk about the actual event so it's about 21 days and you can see that while the initial boxers are the prompt for all this there is some back and forth about who keeps escalating the situation the movie paints it as sort of like the ball is sort of firmly in the Chinese court for mm. who is kind of choosing to escalate this yeah so that's sort of the background so now let's go on to the actual movie so one thing you'll notice if you if you watch it uh is the credits start off and it is uh kind of these like a scrolling image of what somebody thinks chinese, painting chinese looks paintings like. looks like um and it looks like a chinese uh like elementary school project watercolor paint. project yeah, watercolor project and the other thing you'll notice is that there's basically no Chinese names in the credits. Mm -mm. There's like one Asian name. There's one Asian name. And I think it's a little girl who's a character. I think that's who the Chinese person is. Mm, because she gets lines. So all the other Chinese characters are None of the other Chinese characters NPCs. get lines. Yeah. yeah. It's set in Beijing. It was filmed in Spain. You'll see that almost all of the Chinese characters with names and lines are played by white people. All of the nameless Chinese, they get mowed down. Yeah. Are played by actual Chinese, Chinese people, people in yeah. Europe who I guess they got as extras. Yes. So they built this gigantic set of the Forbidden City and the and Beijing and the wall, I guess in the middle of a desert in Spain. Yeah. Which they did the, uh, an okay job at. Yeah. I, I will bad. say at the start, it's on YouTube. I don't know if it's supposed to be on YouTube, but it <laughs> is. It's definitely, I think, yeah. worth watching if you're interested in the time period because it doesn't get the set... I think it does a pretty good job. Yeah, it does a pretty good job, yeah. yeah. Especially if you, not the capital, not the, not the palace, mm -hmm. but if you just say everyday Beijing street mm. surrounding the area, surrounding the the, the palace yeah. and the foreign legation, mm -hmm. that's pr all pretty accurate. Yeah, and one of the things you'll see is they had to build 
So, you know, obviously there's no CG, right? And how you would do big dramatic backdrops back then is you would use what are called matte paintings, which is basically you have a big painting or poster and you put it behind the scene yeah. with the perspective. So it looks like, but the problem with that is in this movie, there's these giant 20 or 30 foot walls, yeah. 40 feet walls, and they have to fight on them and stuff. So they had to actually build the walls. Yeah. Um, so it looks, looks pretty impressive actually. So okay. what the, the set design yeah, set design, good. I think, is good. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So the movie then starts off describing famine, discontent in the year 1900, claims 100 million Chinese are hungry, which is not, I don't think, entirely true because uh, I think the drought was mostly focused on the north, mm. and that's where the rebellion happened, but whatever. So we're introduced <laughs> to the various foreign legations by some band playing, France, Austria, Germany, USA, Japan, Italy, etc., uh, they all play their little national anthems and they put their flags up in the middle of Beijing and they're in modern looking buildings and it's very much kind of feels like the civilization of the glorious West contrasted with some crappy looking Chinese buildings. Yeah. Uh, we see <laughs> we, we see some Chinese people eating noodles <laughs> and uh, complaining about the, the music, which is all like brass instruments and military yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. And they say that... Uh, what are they singing about? And they just say, oh, all these Westerners just want different parts of China. It, they said it better than that. What did they say? They said they're all saying one thing. Yeah. They want China. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then we see... The Forbidden Palace, a bunch of Chinese extras with spears. The movie calls them a quote-unquote army of eunuchs, which eunuch means somebody who's had their uh, their genitals removed, a dude. Um, so which, they can be civil servants of the court. Yeah. So one of the, the, the biggest deal uh, in Imperial China was how do you make sure, you know, you have all these, you have this harem of, I don't know, 100 wives or whatever, how many wives the emperor has. Yeah. And... How do you make sure that the next kid is actually yours? Yours, yeah. Because I mean, you can't keep track of all these people. Mm. So any anyone who worked in the Forbidden City who uh, basically had to be a eunuch, they're the only ones usually allowed to stay after night. They're the only ones who kind of can live in there permanently. And it's, I guess, it's to prevent, um, you know, a new line forming, right? Yeah. So instead of employing more women, they're like, we're just employ men and yes <laughs> um and just, uh, i don't know yeah do this to them it's like taking a cat to the vet yeah then we meet um one of our three or i guess four principal chinese characters which is rong lu who how are you gonna say it rong lu rong lu who is um essentially a general of um one of the more modern uh qing imperial forces yeah and is sort of the moderate voice Mm -hmm. in this movie the voice of reason and he stops an execution that's about to happen and then he goes in to see the empress so she prob probably heard the name before she's called the dowager empress after the second opium war the burning of the summer palace sushi essentially staged a coup with the mother of the next emperor yeah who was like four or however old he was yeah uh, they staged a coup and they uh, took over the government what happened for the next you know, until the end of the dynasty is whenever any of these young emperors got old enough to start kind of getting ideas, she would just kill them. Yeah. And so she um, would so she, remain the internal kind of regent, you yes. know. Um, so she's really the last emperor. 
the empress of the dynasty. Yeah, she, in a way. she's who I think of of like Cersei in Game of Thrones. Oh, God, yeah. Right, who she's kind of supposed to be based off of. It's who she... Oh, really? Why? Well, that, that's sort of my mental image, did Mar- right? Okay. I was like, did Martin say that? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, yeah. you know, have this in your mind. Of, mm. I mean, Cersei didn't live long enough to be an old grumpy gram- grandma. But if she did, she probably would have killed every king that comes after. Yes. So, Tushi, most recently, in, in two years before this kind of story begins, there was this thing called the Hundred Days Reform, hmm. which is the emperor and a bunch of people kind of started to do all these reforms because they're like, this cannot continue. The dynasty is falling apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, who, modernized China. who betrayed them, Cherry? Do you know who betrayed oh, the Hundred Days who Reform? Did, who? Guess. There's, there's, who's, who's the big betrayal <laughs> of China trying to move to the future? Yuan Shikai. Oh my God! Yuan, he yeah. he confided. The emperor confided in Yuan Shikai. Yeah, who's Yuan his Shikai general, stopped it. And Yuan Shikai told Sushi. And Yuan Shikai is also the guy who betrayed um, Sun Yat-sen, the person who did the revolution against the Qing Empire. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Sushi is the ultimate schemer. She is uh, that. She has like a hundred points in scheming. A hundred points out of a hundred <laughs> in scheming and intrigue. So yeah. she can't. So the country keeps falling apart, but she always manages to stay on top of it because she's just real good at scheming. <laughs> we meet Dowager Empress. We get some kind of Chinese stuff. She's sad about her bird. And we figure out what the execution is about. And then we get to kind of the Chinese conflict of the story, which is we meet uh, Prince Duan, who is the radical anti-foreign counselor. All three of these characters are played by white people. Yeah. And basically the dilemma is... The person who was about to get executed was an army officer who tried to suppress the boxers. Yeah. Rong Lu is the person who is essentially not pro-foreign, but moderate and saying like, we need to suppress the boxers. This is out of control. Mm -hmm. And then Prince Duan is the one saying, no, no, we can use the boxers to kill the foreigners. And then Sushi is the one who kind of has to decide. The portrayal of Sushi is interesting in this. They do try and portray China of this time period as a cohesive state Mm -hmm. that can make central decisions and have them be followed. And so she is kind of like weighing the evidence of what to do. Yeah. So she looked very much in control. Yeah. Even though she might be receiving wrong information. Yeah. But still, it's a core that fully operates. And yes, it looks like a even if it comes to the wrong decision, it it is sort of portrayed as a functioning method of government, which... Mm -hmm. I think how true this was at this point is possibly debatable yeah. <laughs> of um, uh, when you're, you know, 10 years away from just completely imploding. So the Qing court decides to support the boxers. And so she rather cynically says, well, if the boxers lose, we'll just give them Prince Duan, right? The we'll head just... of Prince, Prince Duan, she says. Yes. So we'll, we'll, we'll throw in with the boxers. And if it doesn't work, then we'll just yeah. give the foreigners everybody responsible for it. Yes. Prince Duan wasn't in the room when she said that. No. <laughs> she was saying that to Ronglu. Yeah. So can I just say Prince Duan looked like... So all three people, all three main political leaders yeah. are played by white people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but Sushi, they did a pretty good job, I thought. I think her outfit and her makeup and 
you know, yeah, I mean, she... And she, her acting is sort of like, you know, it's sort of portrayed the essence of a grumpy, I don't know... Imperial. Um, imperial grandma who's yeah. <laughs> who staged many cool, like old Cersei. Roland was okay. Yeah. He, he was not... He was the voice of reason, right? So he wasn't that all that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't see his face all that much because... Most of the time, he's kneeling down, with his <laughs> facing the ground yes. when talking to Cici. And um, Prince Duan, however, I just thought he looked like something out of a fantastical movie. He looks and like Voldemort. <laughs> well, I, I wrote that he looked like he just came out of a Scorpion King as one of the Scorpions. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, he, the makeup, the, the demeanor. His little outfit, outfit with his long fingernails. Yeah, it's like, where did he come from? I, he didn't look like that. Well, I, I think he's supposed to. There is this this sort of fantastical orientalist image of a Manchurian yeah. like, um, official. Yeah, and right? he is that. They pick him yes. to be the face of that. Yes, and he, it's, it's he, a- <laughs> he has to carry all the stereotypes on his shoulders. I know. So, so And also, Rong Lu is interesting because he is, you know, I don't really know if they portray it right, but he is kind of supposed to be the, the, the Chinese heartthrob of the film. Because we yeah. find out that multiple women, multiple powerful women really, really want him. And um, yeah. I don't, maybe with Sushi it's true in, in history. Because Rong Lu is kind of, Sushi seems to be hot for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting trip. But we'll talk I about that more. I think that's just, this, it's a Hollywood movie. We'll talk about it a little yeah. bit more, yeah. Then we meet uh, Stud, Stud McHandsome, Charlton Heston, <laughs> in charge of the American Marine Detachment. Yeah. So one really thing. Really what the movie is about. Yes, really. Who the movie is about. <laughs> America. Yeah. Right? Not and necessarily he Charlton. he embodies America. Yeah, he is America. Yeah. Charlton Heston, famous action movie star. No, he is so American and so <laughs> modern looking that I look at him and I sometimes I really have to remind myself that this is a movie about, you know, 1900s China. Um, I think it's supposed to look that way, right? The America, the the all the Europeans are supposed to look sort of stuffy and aristocratic. Yeah. And the Americans are just supposed to look kind of like cowboys, like, like yeah, like cowboys <laughs> or World War II soldiers or something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like a physical trainer nowadays. Yeah, demeanor. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. One of the interesting things is, and I'm not sure 100 percent why, is almost all of the basically all the Asian characters, mm. even the Japanese ones, have their real names, but all of the white characters have made-up names. Yeah. Now they're clearly supposed to be analogs to real life historical figures because there's the leader of the um British legation who's supposed to be um what's the guy's name claude mcdonald the british guy who was in charge um there's a guy named conger yeah, these were real was, people these are real true. people but they changed their names in the movie and i'm not sure if maybe because some of them are still alive or, or what well, i think obviously the movie has a lot of fictional part in it especially yes. the romantic uh plot lines and all that <laughs> yeah. Um, how Ron Lu slept with this Russian lady who's the <laughs> sister-in-law of the Russian uh, ambassador, all these things. So, yes. And, I mean, yeah, it's a historical, what do you call it? Maybe them? people's children would get upset or something. Well, I think maybe they it gives them a little bit more freedom in constructing the plot line so that they feel like they are a bit further away from the real history. It gives them an excuse to sort of yeah, but do I, the artistic expression. But they don't feel for, like they have to do that for the Asian people. No, because Asian people are far away. You know, what are they, you know... <laughs> So in a way, that's kind of racist, but (laughs) but yeah. um. But it's interesting. So so you'll hear us talk about people and character names, and you know if you look up the boxer belly and you can't find them, Mm -hmm. but just look up their title, 
it's like, oh, if we're talking about the British minister, just look up who. Yeah, you will find the person they're actually portraying. You'll find the person they're actually supposed to be. So Charleston Heston is supposed to be uh, the commander of the Marine Detachment. We see a shot of Chinese ladies swooning over the American Marines marching into uh, uh, Peking and like giggling. Uh, Major Lewis says, this is an ancient and highly cultured civilization. So don't get the idea you're any better than these people just because they don't speak English. But then he uh, proceeds to do that. For the, for the entire, entire movie. For the entire movie. Yeah. Um, he gives them a cultural brief. Uh, I, I said the same. Well, I will say, though, they portrayed him to do that less than all the other ambassadors and foreign people did. Yes. Well, there's a, um, there's a famous uh, quote, I, I'm not uh, prejudiced, I hate everyone equally. And I feel like that's kind of like a little bit Captain, um, or, well, he's Captain Myers in real life, but mm-hmm. Charlton Heston in this, he's kind of just gruff to everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and dismissive to everybody. I was thinking also about the set. One of the cool things about movies at this time period is you didn't really have to pay extras much. So you can have all these crazy elaborate scenes, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, that you can't really have in movies today. You have to do it like CG and stuff because mm. everyone's, uh, you know, unionized or whatever. You have minimum wage, but... In the 60s, you could just, you know, I guess just... Yeah, turns out, workers' rights, bad thing. I know, for giant <laughs> movies. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, we're kidding. So the Marines come upon some guy, or a guy being tortured by boxers. A f- on uh, a minute, uh, uh, it looks like you? a Ferris wheel to me, almost. Yeah, it's a it's a, a wheel, giant wheel. Yeah, it's wheel like a big wheel. Of some sort. But the guy was a, it's a, it's a, not British a minister. priest. A priest, yeah. But I couldn't tell at first because one thing, the problem with this movie is that because the half the characters are white people playing Chinese people, I can't really tell if someone's supposed to be white or they're supposed to be Chinese until somebody in the movie acknowledges it. Yeah. Like at the start when you see Ron well, Lin and would... Prince Duan, mm-hmm. I thought maybe they're just supposed to be white people wearing Chinese clothing. I didn't. Yeah. Because <laughs> at this time, there was also like foreign ministers in the Chinese court. Yes. They act like aides or, or they, they teach the emperor's English. And Well, the person in charge of the entire essentially Chinese tax system was a white guy. Yeah. Who was a, a, a subject of the Qing court, right? Yeah. yeah. So and ironically, you know? he got in the siege the same as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Guy's being tortured on this big wheel. And it it's like, it's. I, I don't think this is a real torture technique. I looked up Chinese imperial torture techniques Mm -hmm. i couldn't find this (laughs) but you found some fun ones there's a lot of fun ones we should do an episode on them but but basically he's like strapped to a wheel yeah and there's like a there's like a tub at the bottom well they're essentially waterboarding him but like having him being on a ferris wheel going up and down yeah so he as the wheel spins around he gets dunked in the water and then he gets pulled out again yeah uh and base and uh charleston heston tries to save him buy him buy him i guess purchase him purchase him <laughs> and the the boxer speaks english i guess <laughs> he walks up to the first guy and then talks to him and he speaks english which is interesting but he's already dead there's a little bit of back and forth uh and uh they try and shoot charlton heston um and but one of the marines shoots the boxer first and then charlton heston essentially pays them for shooting the guy twenty dollars yeah twenty dollars <laughs> which is a lot of money back then i looked up an inflation calculator twenty dollars is um like 600 bucks today oh, so, for a life yeah very expensive i know no. i mean on a, on Again, a marine's I'm kidding. pay Cherry. <laughs> yeah the twenty dollars came out of the marine who shot yeah the guy who that essentially saved charleston's life yeah but, uh one thing that's interesting though is you see the boxers and the boxers are essentially again they're like 
you know, they'd be all through the countryside. They'd be doing martial arts demonstrations. You can't necessarily treat them as a unified force because no. they kind of all organically, a lot of times, were doing this for their own reasons. Yeah. But they were all essentially anti-foreign. Some of them were more violent than others. I feel one thing the movie does do a good idea uh, though is it does an extremely bad idea with the boxers it just treats them like just these things that are just around mm-hmm. there's no boxer characters no boxer ever says a line no they no, have no they're not people no they're, they're just, just mindless. they're like orcs in in uh, lord of the rings or something yeah. right yeah they do a slightly better job with the imperial imperial army and the imperial forces yeah. where they show that they're distinct from the boxers they have their own chain of command in reality it might be a reverse because the boxers what the boxers were doing were really forcing the court's hand yes so the courts were at a uh, at the whim sort of at of the whim the, of the boxers yes yeah. but because it's difficult to know for the boxers because a lot of them were illiterate they didn't write anything down there's not much like political theory or what they were kind of 100% trying to accomplish yeah um, well, history is written by the people with, yes. with pens. And they were violently suppressed after the events of this movie. So yeah. now the Marines, one thing that's not historically accurate is all of these foreign forces arrived at the same time in real life. They all came on the same train. They all arrived essentially in Beijing. Yeah, but if you but if you shoot that, then you can't show these American Marines walking through the Chinese street and yeah. being loved by Chinese women and looking all taller and <laughs> stronger than all the Chinese peasants around yeah. them. It's yeah. a whole scene that they walk through Beijing and yes. it's a whole parade. The whole parade of American exceptionalism. Yeah. Then they, they get to the thing, they get to a hotel, we meet some other characters um, who are... The, the, the sort hotel? Of, yeah. As soon as they walk in, it's a whole different world. It's <laughs> like you are in uh, the Winter Palace or something. Yes. It's it's. I think it's supposed to be a French hotel. Right. But, you know, it's very European looking. It's got drapes and carpets and yes. wallpapers everywhere. I'm sure place- Everyone speaks English. Yeah, and I think, I think it's based off a real hotel, and I think those places definitely existed oh, yeah, in China. Yeah, yeah, it's a bubble. And then the Chinese people in those hotels are, of course, uh, either very rich or yes. close to the court, and they speak great English as well. And it's just, <laughs> it, it, yeah. And one of the things that you see also is that uh, when we meet one of the side characters, which is this little, I mean, she's Chinese. The actress is clearly just Chinese, but yeah. a half Chinese girl who is uh, sort of the. I don't know if it's illegitimate or what, but the illegitimate child of one of the Marines. Yeah. And she keeps trying to go find her dad. She, I guess, lives at the, with the, at the orphanage. Yeah. Um, Every time her dad visits, he visits her, but yeah, but no, but no place will let her in because they're like, Oh, she's like a poor Chinese ragamuffin. Yeah. Right. She's not truly Chinese either. She will be treated like another too. Yeah. So they don't get let, she doesn't get let into the hotel, Mm -mm. but uh, we, then we meet, so I'm not going to talk much about this side plot, but there's this whole side plot with the this Russian lady played by Ava Gardner. She's the Russian baroness, her brother-in-law, her dead husband, this necklace that gets dropped after about the halfway point. Yeah. She's the love interest. She's the love interest. Of Charleston. Of Charlton Heston. Ch- Char- say it again. Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. She's the love interest and you have to give the Hollywood hero a, a lady. Yeah. So well, we made so, up, make up this character, which, um, by the way, makes the Russian ambassador look more embarrassing than uh, needed be. I felt like because well, I the Russian ambassador is clearly the 
um, not that glamorous of a character. Okay, well, yeah. let's let's talk about it now. So we basically yeah. we meet. He gets there. Mm-hmm. He essentially he needs a room. There's no rooms. The Russian the Russian baroness lady is getting kicked out because mm-hmm. we'll find out later. Mm-hmm. But um, essentially, Charlton Heston and her shack up. So he gets a room. She gets to stay in the hotel. Presumably, they're they're banging. Mm-hmm. But the whole movie, I think, is sort of a statement about the Cold War yeah. and about America. Mm-hmm. Because you go to this hotel and you see all these all these stuffy, aristocratic-looking um, foreign military people who are already there at the hotel. Yeah. They're all lounging about. Like in the, they, they, She walks in, and you see this shot of this like upper ledge. All of the colonial officers of Europe. Yeah. You know, in their fancy uniforms yeah. are all, like, lounging, and they're like, oh, now you're here. Yeah. And Charlton Heston is in his, like, American, like, button-up shirt yeah. and all dusty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's pretty clear that it's sort of an allegory of the cold war which is the boxer rebellion is communism yeah and all of these all of these aristocratic stuffy colonialist europeans they're the ones who caused it their policies are the ones that caused it Mm -hmm. with their imperialism and their sort of arrogance and their stuffiness and america now has to come in and now has to come in and save them right and you know we didn't do anything to cause it it's not our fault we didn't do anything to china you know what i mean we're just here to do a job and you know i think it's you're supposed to kind of get images of vietnam hadn't really happened yet but like korea Mm. and other places of like the united states is getting caught up in in all this right yeah a couple of small human interest bits as news people would say we find out the little girl is one of the marines half chinese kids uh, he wonders, ask Charlton Heston, should I bring her back to Illinois? Her mother's dead. What should I do? And Charlton Heston says, she's better off here among her own kind. And I thought it was like, she's a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. like someone had caught a squirrel. Mm-hmm. And they're like, can I keep her? No, you know, keep, no. Nah, leave her, leave her in the her, woods with the, the woods with the other squirrels. Right? <laughs> um, she's not yeah. supposed to be here. Heston hooks up with a Russian lady. I like his pickup line. Where she's like, you know, you're bad at this. And he said, I'm a Marine, ma'am. I don't have much time. As he double fists alcohol, yeah. <laughs> he, has, he has booze in each hand and he's drinking it. Yeah. But Charleston Heston is with the Russian Baroness lady. Again, there's this drama about some necklace she has and, and the German. But it's, it's, it's boring. So we meet the British. Yeah. Uh, the British guy who kind of looks like uh, Neville Chamberlain. <laughs> and he's he's supposed to be, he used to be military. Now he's a diplomat. Yeah. Um, we meet his wife and his family and his kids in their little little British estate. In real life, England was fighting, the United Kingdom was fighting the Boer War in Africa right now, which was Dutch-German rebellion, uprising, secession from South Africa. Mm-hmm. And it was using huge amounts of resources because they had to go in, way into the middle of Africa to fight these people. Um, and they had lots of money. But in this, the... The UK is treated as very sort of knowingly understanding what the boxer uprising is and kind of choosing to to let it happen, hmm. which I don't think they really understood entirely what was going on or realized what was about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, so there's a little back and forth with the British guy being stuffy and Charlton Heston you know just saying uh you know hey i've just got a job to do here you know i don't i'm i don't get involved in politics 
The British minister tells the Marines that they're supposed to go back. The American ambassador is in bed. The British want to appease the Chinese, which I think is supposed to sound look really bad because that's what the British did with Hitler. Mm. Right? Like, okay, oh, let's yeah. just send all the troops home. Let's yeah. not annoy them. Yeah. Right? So again, another sort of, I guess, dig at um, the European diplomatic technique. So rather it's a history about, rather it's a movie about 1900s China. It's actually... A movie about the Cold War mentality and uh, yeah, and, and um, maybe nineteen forties, fifties Europe. Yeah, right. How yeah. to deal with um, extremism or whatever. But then we get more lead up. We get you know a stupid party about Queen Victoria. There's more drama about the Baroness. Mm-hmm. But then suddenly the next morning the boxers start killing people. Prince Duan and the Kansu Braves, who are one of the sort of Imperial Army regiments mm-hmm. with their cool little kind of like turbans. Um, I think they're Muslim troops in China. I think the Khonsu mm. Braves were, were Muslim. But um, Okay. I didn't know that. Essentially, the boxers kill the German minister, which kind of is, in this movie, kind of kicks things off. But in reality, the German minister had already killed the boxer and, again, was killed. On the street, yeah. On the street. The, the portrayal of this scene was that uh, he was just minding his own business and looking very um, stately. And he's like a big fat dude. And he's, yeah, but you know, and then he, he so innocently was just on his way to, I guess the palace. And then he just gets all, all these, all these scores or these, all these crazy monsters. Yeah. Just comes in and kills him. But comes in reality, in it's stuff. a much more, it's more like a revenge of some sort. Yeah, exactly. In the minds of the boxers. Yeah. Okay. So now they're like, okay, what are we going to, we got to meet with sushi. And again, all these political events that, all these conflicts get resolved by going directly and talking to the Chinese court in this movie, yeah. which did not happen in real life. No. Sushi never wanted to talk with foreigners, basically. No. Hates them. It was all through diplomats and envoys and other things. But in this, yeah. they just go walk over yeah, which to is, see her. No, one of, one of the frustrations of the foreign legations at the time was how difficult it was to reach the center of power and have a conversation going. Yeah. Right? But in this, they just go, yeah, we'll talk to her. And she, Sushi has apparently has a very good, I don't know, public speaking skills. And when she addresses (laughs) these audiences of the foreign legations, she's so in control, so logical. And so she even had a speech, small speech, about how these foreign powers are trying to divide up China and all that, which did not happen in reality. The foreign legations really did not know the entire time, 100%, whether or not the boxers were supported by the Qing government or not. Yeah. Because everybody was saying different things. And they really just did not know what was happening. And they couldn't just go ask because there was no. nobody to tell them. And the Qing court wouldn't tell them. The Qing court probably didn't know it was officially supporting them yeah, either. Yeah, right? I mean, nobody but, knew what was happening. So, yeah. so, but in this, though, they just go walk over and Sushi, uh, Sushi just lays it out. So basically, they accuse the Prince Duan of leading the attack. Mm-hmm. Sushi gives a speech about how, um, you know, yeah, like you said, that foreigners are bad. And then they get ordered to leave the city. So she's like, well, if you don't like it, you know, get the hell out. Yeah. So they walk back. <laughs> there is a mob um, that kind of follows them and I guess hits them with a rock or something. Yes. They get back and then they have to decide uh, what they're going to do. In reality, all the foreign powers essentially more or less had decided to stay because they're like, the countryside is full of boxers. The railroad's been destroyed. Like, what are we going to do? Right. We don't yeah. have the ability to leave. But how is it portrayed in this movie? In this, everybody votes to leave. Yeah. As if you can just walk out yeah. and write and go back to Germany or wherever. As if the angry boxers weren't waiting outside. Yes. 
um, uh, trying to kill you. Yes. And um, then the British make a principled stand of like, no, mm-hmm. we have to do this. We have to have a stiff upper lip. We for, have to show strength to win respect. Yeah. From these Chinese people. Yeah. And in reality, yeah, again, the foreign navies had already started essentially bombarding the coast and taking yeah. forts. But mm-hmm. um, so, so yeah, the UK convinces them all to stay, but not before you get some moralizing by the American ambassador. I'm calling them ambassadors. They all have different names. Every country is like, oh, they're the secretary to China. They're the minister. They're the amb-. So I'm just calling them all ambassadors. It's yeah. too much. Um, <laughs> so the American person's like, oh, well, you know we're just here, you know, because uh, we love China and we want to help Chinese people and we don't want anything from China. We've never took any concessions from China. We never will. We never will. You uh, guys are the leeches. Yeah. We, we, are the, we are the new face of, of world leaders. Yeah, even basically. though we have a colony in the Philippines, <laughs> yeah. like right off the coast. Right, yeah. At this time period. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they start building barricades. The boxers are throwing identically made knives at them. Like this is modern China and the knives are made in a Chinese knife factory. Yes. Um, as if the, and that, that's, that's served as like an old fashioned warning. A yes. Warning shot. When the boxers have guns, right? They yeah, can just the shoot them. Yeah, the boxers will just shoot you. Yeah, the boxers can just shoot you. So the boxers started off as martial arts groups. But, you know, when the other side is a modern military with guns, you mm-hmm. kind of learn fast that... Um, <laughs> Because you want to win. Yeah, because you want to win. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, the, you know, boxers all had guns fairly quickly. So we see some more back and forth. We see the international gun, which was a real thing. I think it was the Russians brought a bunch of ammo for one of their guns, but they forgot the guns when they came on the train. Okay. So they, they used the ammo and this gun they found in a basement or whatever. Mm. Um, and then uh, the Chinese take the wall. There's a big wall around the international settlement. The Americans fight them off. In the real story, this is where Charlton Heston would have been out of the story because he got stabbed by a spear um, and was wounded for the rest of the the show. So they fight it off. Well, in reality, the American um, Marine General, General Captain, yeah, uh, was wounded in the leg yeah. as well. Yeah, he got yeah he got stabbed. Yeah, yeah, in real life. Yeah, um, but in this, Charlton Heston is is fine. So now we're in the battle. You know, it's more or less just. Uh, 60s action movie where people get shot and they go and they throw themselves over something or they fall off a cliff and yeah but sometimes clearly they just jump after they get shot like right actively jump out of the scene there's a uh there's a cannonball hits 10 feet away and they just jump and then you're supposed to assume they're they're dead yeah um watch uh watch um wolf warrior much better action (laughs) yeah (laughs) one thing that's cool is we see a a a jingle jingle which is um the What's old that? school like two or three person chinese giant muskets all right okay they're like these big muskets that they used to use um they one guy gets shot with one i thought it was interesting that they had it in there um so then we get we go back to the court drama prince mm-hmm. duan tells Su Shi they're winning the war admiral seymour's expedition is trapped which was the relief force that was coming to save them which is true the imperial army and the boxers did stop them the devil angels arguing with sushi where um prince duan says yeah let's kill the foreigners the uh, the devil the devil wrong lu goes like this is stupid this is a bad idea and sushi's like whatever let's do it so <laughs> send the army after the foreigners yeah so in reality there was not unified political will Mm-mm. behind the uh the camp and that the foreign legations probably would have been overrun extremely quickly if the imperial army had been committed to had killing them all. Had been fully committed. Yeah. yeah, had been fully committed. But a lot of times, 
you know, the people attacking them were boxers, right? Who were not funded and equipped and, you know, had the wherewithal of the actual army. Yeah. Um, most of the actual army was out fighting the foreigners trying to make their way to Beijing. And even mm-hmm. that was not politically unified. So now we see new artillery and modern, um, modern artillery blowing into the capital, which I guess is supposed to represent the Imperial army getting involved, mm-hmm. which they were to some extent, but not wholeheartedly. They decide to blow up the Chinese arsenal, which is reality is something that Admiral Seymour did as he escaped. Hmm. They just ran across a Chinese arsenal on their way back from the coast, running away from the army, and they blew it up. We get more infighting. So Sushi goes like, why aren't these foreigners dead? Rong Lu and Prince Duan bicker. Um, in, in reality, what happened um, once Sushi decided to go all in is almost all the moderates got killed. They yeah. executed everybody who kind of was like, let's maybe not do this. So anybody who thought it was a bad idea kind of just didn't say it was a bad idea. They just <laughs> didn't follow the orders. Yeah. Which is a, a Chinese imperial technique. You just say you didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yang feng yingwei. You, uh, you obey the order under the sun and you uh, do the other thing. Under the moon or something? Uh, in the darkness, I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> in the shade. Yeah, so much like Wolf Warrior, you know, the actual action scenes are not as interesting as uh, as everything else. So basically, Sushi, you know, says, let's do a truce. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do a truce with the foreigners, which is, again, is a real thing. And this, though, it's portrayed as much more official yeah. than it actually was. Because, again, foreigners, you know, the, the Qing say, let's have a truce. They get a letter. Like, well, like, how do you know that's actually Sushi? How do you know they're going to follow it? Yeah. It's all... Um, well, in this is a white flag, not yeah. a white flag. Was it a white flag? But then there's letters, right? Oh, okay, there's yeah, letters they back received and forth. Letter, yeah. So at this point in real life, the Chinese even started it very strangely, right? So you, you think about you. This sort of illustrates how fractured the Qing court was, where you had certain groups of people giving the foreigners their mail, right, from the <laughs> coast, yeah, or trading with them for food, right, and you had other groups who were still shooting at them, yeah, you know, all within the same city, yeah. The Baroness gets shot. She gets food for the settlement from Rong Lu, and we learn we learn the the interesting uh, plot twist of the movie, which is the reason the Baroness's husband killed himself, is because the Baroness was sleeping with Rong Lu. Rong Lu, yeah, yeah, and she's the top Chinese general. The top Chinese general. <laughs> And she says it as it's this this crazy, unbelievable thing. Yeah. She's like, you don't know what it's like to be in love with a Chinese man. You know what I mean? Maybe they're trying to diversify the movie a little bit. Right. I don't know. It was this weird. But it is. It's, it's sort <laughs> of hampered plot. by the fact that Rong Lu is played by a white guy. So. I know. But so the Baroness, who Charleston Heston is banging, is also banging Rong Lu, the, the Chinese. Was. Or was. Why? Well, you don't know. I think they still got the hots for each other. Right. And her husband killed himself. Charleston Heston is also unhappy about this revelation. No one is happy. No one's happy. Maybe wrong Lu's happy. <laughs> so then there's more fighting. Yeah. The boxers, uh, the Baroness gets shot. The boxers attack one more time the next morning. One thing I was thinking, there's no cool sword fights in this movie. No. Nobody fights with a sword. There should be no, some sword fights. No, it's a modern war, you know, warfare oh, now. No. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> so the relief force arrives. This was in re- this was uh, the second attempt to reach the, for the capital. Yeah. Admiral Seymour's force got taken out by the Imperial Army. Uh, 20,000 troops came. And at this point, the Imperial Army really, um, they held on to fortifications. Mm-hmm. 
But I think most of the Imperial Army saw the writing on the wall and didn't get involved yeah. to preserve their forces. So the Imperial, um, these people were allowed to come in. Uh, the first people to arrive are the Bengal Lancers. You hear this like Indian type music and, you know, you see all these uh, guys in turbans show up mm-hmm. who are British, uh, British Indian. It's ironic that the Indian colonial troops were the first to rescue a bunch of white people. Yeah. Uh, everyone's little national group show up. Everyone um, freaks out besides the Japanese who very orally <laughs> salute each other yeah. when the relief force comes. It's oh, good that you're here. Uh, in reality, the British got there way earlier because every international group sort of picked a different gate yeah. to go through and mm-hmm. some had it easier than others to fight into the city. Uh, instead of having a little ceremony, they would all be looting the city right now. If this was an accurate yeah. um, movie. But it, of course, the movie can't show that. No, we can't show all goes the, against the narrative. The Western forces doing that. Cut to two kind of final ending scenes. We see Emperor Dowers, Dowers Sushi sneaking out of the capital dressed as a peasant, and then we see Charlton Heston picking up the little girl yeah. who was uh, the the well, daughter. Who was China? Of, yeah, who represents China, but <laughs> yeah. uh, is the daughter of uh, you know one of the Marines. He gets killed in the course of the movie, and yeah. he picks her up, which I guess he's going to take her to the future, to America. They ride into the sunset. They ride into the sunset. Yeah. Supposedly, he's taking her back to America. Yeah. yeah. One thing that doesn't get mentioned in the film, because mm-hmm. it complicates the narrative, which is uh, alongside the international legation, there was a second siege going on the entire time. There was a French cathedral mm. that, you know, was across the city from it that uh, had several thousand Chinese Christians in it, you know, a bunch of French priests and, and nuns and stuff, and had like 30 or 40 soldiers. They were under siege the entire time in like one building, and there was no truce with them yeah, because the imperial army wasn't involved the boxers were literally trying to kill them for 55 days and they didn't get relieved until two days after the rest of everybody else because someone's like wasn't there like a church forgot about them oopsie and the japanese liberate them which Uh, is which is sort of interesting yeah but that's sort of a forgotten thing i think because there's no americans there it doesn't get talked about much but they they fought extremely hard and unlike the foreign legation who also had several thousand chinese christians um, they were much more egalitarian with things like food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, well, let's talk about some of the things of this movie. So first off, the implication that America is uh, China's friend, is bringing China into the future. More um, like China's parent in this movie. Yes, it represented as China's parent. So the United States, alongside everybody else in the foreign legation, essentially did not really feed the Mm-mm. Chinese Christian refugees who were in no, there. No, they were them. the last to be fed, and they were, they were asked to help with the yes, the 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 defending and all that. And yes. they were helping with labor and digging and building defenses. Yeah, and they would feed the ones who were working enough to keep working. But, yeah, but, <laughs> but the, that's it. <laughs> but everybody else, the wounded, um, younger yeah. people, they weren't basically fed very much, if at all. So the plot of the Russian lady giving her life to in order to get some fresh fruit for the children and the yeah. the the patient yeah um not really close to reality no and in reality the the imperial forces were, ju- were just bringing them food yeah during the truce mm-hmm. um one of the things that you see in accounts is that um the relief force who had just fought their way mm-hmm. through you know 80 miles of boxers and through several city walls and all this they get to the foreign legation and you know all these people come out like dressed in suits and stuff 
Yeah. Right. And giving them glasses of champagne. And yeah. they're like, how are you people still alive? Yeah. <laughs> right? right. Like, yeah. you know, and everybody's all immaculate and clean. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there had been a truce for like 20 days and yeah. there hadn't been serious fighting. Mm. There was one last battle before the relief force arrived. But, you know, they had been more or less safe for, for a week or two mm. at that point or several weeks. So it was not a successful movie. People didn't <laughs> not commercially not commercially successful. It's two and a half hours long. Uh, it really drags in some parts. the The actual box for Rebellion doesn't start until halfway through yeah. the movie. So what are you? What did you get from it? I think it was a big investment too, right? In order to for them to actually create the set, go all yeah. the way to Spain, and it wasn't that well received. I mean, it's. I think it's worth watching. Okay. Well, I thought the movie was more about America than about China and the actual history and more about America in the backdrop of the Cold War. Yeah. And China at this point is really a stage on, on which, you know, America get to um, act. And more than comparing America to China mm-hmm. is more about comparing America to all the other foreign powers. Yeah, I think Those so are too. the actors. China is just a stage and these people have no agency. I think it's portrayed... You know, the idea is like, oh, it's it's these foreign powers against these these Chinese hordes. But but both in the way that it's presented and in the way that it's shown, the two people, the two groups of people who are the most sympathetic are Emperor Tsushi and the Chinese because they give their justification as like a nationalist. Mm, They're like, you know, China has been torn apart. Yeah. You know, you foreigners are everywhere. You know, this is like our independence this is our revolution against Mm -hmm. against foreign control yeah and the americans who go well like we didn't have any part of that Mm -hmm. we're just here (laughs) we're just here yeah we're just here to you know try and and everyone else is guilty everybody else is guilty right it doesn't go into the 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 series of events that would have enraged maybe the peasants right because even though they they might not they're maybe taking all their anger out on the foreigners on the Mm -hmm. on the on the christians even though the drought the lack of the force from the lack of i don't know control Mm -hmm. from the chinese government at this time right and we talked about in the last episode where there's all these local court cases and legal disputes mm-hmm. where the Christians would get the upper hand all the time because they're Christians and foreigners. Yes. Uh, we don't go in, into any of that in this movie. Obviously, given it's a movie, you have to pick and choose. But still. The boxers and Sushi, they're really treated as patriots. Yeah. They, they had a plan, right? Yes. The plan didn't pan out for them. <laughs> but still, they were in control and they... This is this is for a good cause from their perspective. And from the foreigners, besides the British one, they're all just shown as like fat, yeah, like mm-hmm. aristocratic, yeah, sort of like especially buff- the Russians, especially the <laughs> Russian guy, right? They were kind to the Japanese. I feel like they yeah. weren't unkind to the Japanese um, general and their soldiers because well, they're going to be our buddies now. In the I, Cold War, right? So we gotta, no, exactly. We so it's not about how it was back then; it's about how it's now. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, uh, the. British ambassador who yeah. used to be a soldier was buddy buddy with the uh, American Marine, yeah, and they go hand in hand and they they go together to blow up an arsenal and it's just not, I don't think that's how it worked. The Japanese, yeah, yeah. Every, every it's like Star Trek where every time something happens in this movie, yeah, all of the all of the high up officers have yes. to go do it, right? Yes, it's and never, risk their, they risk their lives for yes. some reason, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, we have to go get food. The Baroness goes and gets it. We got to go sneak back to the coast. Uh, we send the Marine captain. Yeah, so America is embodied by the captain. Yeah. It's very much different from all these foreign powers. Yeah, and I think the British guy, the way he is portrayed. I think he's supposed to sort of represent the British Empire of like, oh, well, I used to be a soldier 
British Empire. Now I'm a <laughs> diplomat, right? Mm -hmm. Now let's solve these things through talking. Yeah. Right? And in the movie, it fails. Yeah. The talking fails. His little plots to kind of diplomat his way out of the situation to fails. play these sides, it all fails. And it's yeah. down to the, the soldiers mm -hmm. and the American, and I guess the Japanese guy too, to, you know, solve this through force. Wit and force. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And there's another part where um, I don't think we talked about yet that the, the British ambassador's son, very young child, five mm -hmm. years old, mm -hmm. um, misses England as his home. Presumably he's never spent a day in England. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it shows, it really spends a lot of time on this little British family yeah. and how they're far away from home and it's so terrible for them. And they're like, I don't know, flowers without roots or something. And during the siege, Mm -hmm. um, the son gets hit by a bullet and goes into a coma. And the mother was so sad and she made a whole speech. Well, she would be sad. I know, I know. Okay, yeah, so she would be sad. That's true. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm so cold-hearted um, of these fictional characters. She goes into a speech, mm -hmm. right? And she goes, what does the death of my son serve, of this five-year-old? Which man's ambition does this, um, you know, does this serve? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, lady. You're Brit you talk to your own country. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, yeah, of course, because that's more of a speech about war, right? And, and she's like, how many more? But... <laughs> But it, I mean, it is a it is sort. They're trying to use her to express to voice sort of a reflection of war, yes, and conflict and violence in general, as it affects other people. Yeah, is that? But you know, again, same could be said about every war. And to say this from a British ambassador, Mrs. Ambassador, I guess, who was the I don't know spearheaded the yeah, colonial I mean, movement. I mean, here's yeah. the, here's here's the thing with a boxer with a boxer uprising and colonialism. Yeah, is you can say you know boxers are bad for going the countryside, killing all these people, yeah. doing the foreign legation, killing Chinese Christians. Mm -hmm. But nobody asked these foreign powers to be there. No. The only thing they had to do to not cause this, I mean, obviously China's going to have revolts and rebellions on its own. Yeah. But like the only reason they're there, all these foreign powers are there, is because it's profitable for them and they're making money. Economic opportunities. Yeah, economic <laughs> opportunities. They yeah. want naval bases. They want concessions. They, yeah, they want part right? of China. It's not like they were invited in, yeah. right? And now mm -hmm. these people are trying to kill them. They fought their way in. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like somebody fought their way into your house. Yeah. And now they're squatting there. Yeah. And you've had to kind of form a truce with them. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about how, like we said, you said last episode that Boxer Rebellion today, sometimes not called a Boxer Rebellion. Boxer Uprising. Uprising. In Chinese, it's it's a movement. It's mm. always being, I looked at, it's always, it's never been called a rebellion. It's always been called a movement. Because mm. you're not going against your own, I guess, government, yeah. right? You're technically, you're against, in their eyes, invaders. Yes. of the country and the government can't defend you so you must defend yourself yes and there's something to be said because if you look at the numbers of the chinese christians are that got killed sometimes very violently and the foreign minister uh, uh, priests that got killed um the numbers is 10 times to you know to one sometimes oh yeah yeah so, but in this movie, you don't think that, right? You you think about all the foreigners who get killed. Yeah, you they don't see really, any Chinese Christians. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 I don't, it's like they don't even exist. Yeah, I think because they don't want to talk about it because I think it's too... Confusing. You know, they get, they get treated really badly in the siege, right? <laughs> yeah. Aside from in the cathedral where the, the French guy, you know, yeah. did his best. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, it is a... And I think the idea is you, you portray the United States as as above all of that right mm -hmm. like oh we're just here that's the biggest historical flaw of the movie mm. 
And the biggest thing I think you have to keep in mind is it doesn't really try and grapple with why this is happening. Yeah. It just goes like, oh, it's unstable. The Chinese don't like the foreigners. But it's like, why are the foreigners there, right? Like, yeah. why why don't they like them? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the motivations of these boxers? All you get is, like we talked earlier, the boxers, they don't have a, they don't have a motivation. They're just there. Mm-hmm. They're just doing the things. The court had way more agency than the boxers. Yeah. Sushi had way more agency in the story. You know, and, and then probably the modern Chinese interpretation of it, it's the other way around. The boxers are the patriots. Mm-hmm. They have the agency. Yeah. And the court is just this corrupt, evil. Yes. Which is not entirely true either. However, yeah, balance the two narratives. You get more of the, more of the facts. In the end, it's an interesting. It's an interesting movie. Yeah, it's a product of its time. Mm -hmm. I I thought I had a very. I had to prepare myself because obviously I'm about about to watch a movie that all the Asian people, all the important Asian people are uh, Chinese people are played by white actors. Yes, you know that how make how does that make us feel? But. I want to talk about it. I think it's interesting because most of the time, even today, when you have a Hollywood movie and there's an Asian character um, and they're played by a white person Mm -hmm. or a non-Asian person, the people in Japan, China, Korea, usually don't really care that much. Well, because they're 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 in no danger of representation. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think the argument. Uh, well, keep going. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, and I, and it's, it's more of an issue here because there's not that many jobs for Asian actors in Hollywood. You're, you you're, already can't play the white people. Yes. And the white people wouldn't even let you play your own people. <laughs> you know, yeah. the Asian people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's economic opportunities, I guess. You know, if you're yeah. taking, you're literally taking jobs out of um, people who could have probably de- done a better job portraying an Asian character. Well, you know, it's like, how are you going to get to be a movie star as an Asian movie star when you can't work your way up the ladder, right? When these roles aren't even yeah the, given to you. America as a quote-unquote melting pot, unlike a homogenous country like China or Japan. Yes. China, not a homogenous country. We're trying to be one by suppressing minorities. But because, yeah. <laughs> you know, there is a lot of ethnic minorities in China. If you want to call yourself a melting pot and if you benefit from all this immigration and the diversity, then it's got to be reflected on screen, on yeah. the big screen. And so anyway, so that aside, yeah, I want to say that I think that for a movie, like you said, where all of the important Chinese roles are played by white people. Yeah. Like we said at the beginning, I feel like it. they don't do that bad of a job. And it's not... It could have been a lot... Like, I thought it was better than I, than I expected. It was better than I expected, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I had low expectations. We all had low Nobody expectations. Nobody does, like, a racist Chinese accent. Nobody has, like, a, a crappy, like, beard glued on them. You well, know what besides I mean? Prince Duan. Well, Prince Duan... Who's a fantastical character who's not really human. Well, he, his outfit <laughs> looks weird, but... No, he had... There's some scenes where he had long, long nails, and his <laughs> makeup is so... He looks I, like I Voldemort. He, yeah, I know. He looks like an evil like No vampire. Chinese person actually looks like that. Well, yeah, Cherry, because he has like a giant hawk nose that looks I like know. a like No, a but like, the makeup makes him look even more weird. Yeah. Maybe they're just trying too hard. I think they're trying to make him look like a creepy skull-faced yeah. evil Manchurian. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, do you have anything else you want to talk about, Cherry? No. Well, I think, are we going to start a rating system of movies well, that I we review? we'll do a review. Yeah. I think we're going to start doing reviews of, on yeah, books well, and movies this and is, stuff. This but I'd say a, watch it. Yeah. Especially because it? it's free and it's on YouTube. It provides you a good perspective. I mean, Not it's, that it's the accurate perspective of history. I mean, it's the, basically the only Western movie. About this time. About this time period. Yeah. 
in so, China. Yeah. So I think, you know, they did okay on some part, some parts, that, but, you know, don't treat it as the actual accurate history documentary, obviously. I think uh, we kind of have changed our release schedule. We're going to do major episodes every two weeks, but we're going to sprinkle in movie kind of, reviews, book reviews in between. Well, just you know, other topics yeah. in between mm-hmm. um, our more hot take episodes. So hopefully you enjoy this and I hope everybody has a nice day. See you next time. Inserting our first correction here. We're both huge idiots because the movie is actually called 55 Days at Peking, not on Peking or in Peking. Thank you.